0: Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn to Luke chapter 12. And uh, in the last couple weeks, we've been going through uh, our study uh, answering this question, who do you say that I am? Jesus asking his disciples, uh, who do you say that I am? And uh, again, Peter answered the question, but we've started this study uh, in an effort to answer that question for every single person. If you don't know who he is, uh, that you will come to know him uh, in a personal relationship. Uh, and if you do have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, uh, hopefully through this study you grow deeper. As we walk with him, uh, this journey with Jesus that we're taking, Uh, We will know Him more intimately. We'll know Him uh, in in a greater way in our walk. But the last couple weeks, we've seen this importance of living our lives in this constant expectation for the Lord's return. When we think about the times that we live in, we are supposed to be living in this anticipation of Christ coming back to this earth. Uh, The next thing that we saw last, last week was that Christ separates, even the families. And you say, man, that, that's not a very encouraging thing. It's not in, uh, I don't like to hear about my family being separated or me being separated from my family. Uh, but the reason that Christ separates even families is that sin still exists in this world. Sin exists, and there are those who have refused to turn away from their sin, or maybe they're just still blind in that. Uh, and there are those who have turned to Christ in faith and had their sins forgiven. And again, it's not because we deserve to have our sins forgiven. Matter of fact, the song that was just sung wrapped it all up. The grace of God. The Bible says, for by grace are you saved. There's no other way that we can be saved. It's only because God saw uh, before there was time a need uh, for a man to be saved. Because he knew that we would sin, and sin separated us from God. And so he had an answer, had a solution. He sent his only son to die on a cross, as Brother Jeffrey was saying earlier. For our sins for the sins of the whole world none of us deserve that uh, because we all we all commit the sins so we all deserve the judgment but God poured out his judgment on his only son uh, in our behalf and that's grace that's unmerited favor we didn't earn it we didn't deserve it but God gave it to us anyways and so again that's the the payment that was made for our sin that's why there's still separation that happens inside families when someone says yes to Jesus And there may be some in the household that that don't say yes to Jesus yet. It divides households. And again, Jesus taught that. uh, That's what happens in this world. And that fact still remains today. Many of you may have experienced that in your family. Maybe you've accepted Christ and you've given your life over to him. You've turned away from living a life of sin, turned to following Jesus Christ. Uh, But there are those in your family who haven't. And for some reason you've experienced this separation. They don't really love to hang out with you anymore you used to have family get-togethers and they're not the same anymore uh, you don't do the same things and they are still doing the same and so again that separation happened christ came into this world to save the lost every single person now, the bible says that and so we have to understand when those people when there's people who don't accept him as their savior again a natural separation happens and again in our in our study we've seen he's promised that he's going to return he's he's not gone forever he's coming back not only to receive those who have placed their faith in him to take them take us to be with him forever but he's also going to come and judge all unrighteousness the bible says that's good news for those who have placed our faith in jesus but it's really bad news for those who haven't and i want to say this morning if you haven't accepted jesus christ I want to be very clear. You can't be righteous in yourself. None of us can. I can't be. None none of us came to faith. None of of us came to a relationship because we were good enough. But I have to warn you because I love you. I say, you don't even know me. You're a soul. And so I, I love you. And I don't want to see anybody spend eternity in a place that's reserved for God's enemy. You have to know that if you don't accept that free gift of salvation, judgment's coming. And it's real. It's a real judgment. You say, man, that's kind of a, a dark way to start a, a morning worship service. No, it's, it's a very sobering and serious way because I do love you. Uh, if, if, it, you know, if somebody says, well, I, I love you, I care for you, but they saw a, a bus storming down the street and didn't do anything to warn you or to try to save you from that bus running you over, they couldn't say that they actually cared for you. But because someone would say, hey, move out of the way or even go further and push you out of the way, that would mean that they cared enough about your life to do something or to say something. And that's what I'm doing this morning. Uh, They care enough about your life and your soul to say, Jesus Christ is the only way. And his faith in him gives you the only guarantee that when he does return, he's coming back to take you to where he is versus judging you. And uh, again, experiencing what he has for his in- enemy. Not to scare you, but just to warn you. But we're going to move forward in our study. And this morning, hopefully, we'll see something uh, that's a blessing and encouragement, but also maybe a challenge to us uh, as we move forward. So let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you again for your word. Thank you for what we've already experienced in the time of worship, the time of giving, Lord, everything that we've had an opportunity to do. We thank you for it, Lord. We realize that everything... Uh, that we have done is by your grace. And I, I ask that you would help me help all of us. Never forget that. Never to forget that every, every moment we have in this life, everything that uh, every, every opportunity is a gift of grace. And so, Lord, help us to capitalize on it. Help us to, to uh, use that up, redeem that uh, for your glory in this time. Lord, move in this service, move in this message. Just use me as a vessel, as a messenger to express your heart, your message and so we'll give you all the glory. And we ask all this in Jesus' name, amen. Luke chapter 12, you have your Bibles there. Look in verse 54, it's where we're picking up in our study. And he said, also to the people, when you see a cloud rise out of the west straightway, you say, there cometh a shower, and so it is. And when you shall see the south wind blow, you say, there's gonna be heat, and it cometh to pass. But look what he says in verse 56, You hypocrites. You can discern the face of the sky and of the earth, but how is it that you do not discern this time? Again, Jesus came to this earth, and the religious Jews of the day 2,000 years ago missed who he was. and, And missed everything God was doing for the most part in that time. They were so focused on their lives, they were so focused on their own system of religion that they had crafted and created for themselves, that they were completely blind to what God had provided for them, what God was doing and wanted for them. And as I've shared with you many times, I'm afraid that this is still the case today. I'm afraid that there are many people who are living their lives and even practicing religion, and they're so blinded to what God has for them and what God desires for them. And that's, that's a, it's a sad state that we live in. But, uh, you know, Wednesday night we started a study and uh, began to study First Thessalonians. Uh, something we're entitling Encourage You. And uh, I, I was talking about Wednesday night, us standing before the Lord at the judgment seat of Christ. When I say us, I'm talking about believers. Those who are Christians, followers of Jesus Christ. Standing before the judgment seat of Christ. And I said this thought... And it, it was it was just a kind of an awakening for us. And it's this. I'm afraid that specifically for American Christians, he's going to look at us on that day of judgment and he's going to say this to us. I gave you so much. Why were you so selfish? I gave you so much. I gave you so many opportunities, so many blessings. I gave you, I gave you to the world I gave you everything but you made your life about you And again I I don't wanna hear those words I I don't wanna stand before my Lord who gave his all for me so that I could have eternity I, I don't wanna stand before him one day and him say that Kyle I gave you so much you had opportunity you had blessings you had the time you had health you had the things that so many people desire you had all these things and and yet you were consuming your life for yourself you were living it for you when you say that you gave it to me jesus had already reminded these jews to whom much was given much was required and to the jews that he was talking to no doubt that was the case he had given them the word of god i mean literally jesus christ the word incarnate had been born a jew among the jews He was there, he was walking with them. Not only that, but before that, the prophets were Jews. He he had done so much for the nation of Israel. And so when he said to them, to whom much is given, much is required, it had a heavy weight for the Jews. uh, But I think the same still remains for us as Christians today. To whom much is given, much is required. There are so many avenues for us to live out our faith today. So much freedom that we have to do that. In America, there's there's churches on every corner. Literally, I mean, if you got a good arm, you could probably hit a church house. <laughs> Not literally, um, but it's pretty close. You could you could get close to hitting a church with a rock, um, just about every way you throw it, around here. Not only that, you could leave this place, which many of you probably will, and turn on the radio, and you can listen to the Word of God every single day on the radio. You could do it right now. Don't do it right now, but you could do it right now. You can turn on your phone and on the internet. You could have a message pulled up from somebody else somewhere around the world. The word of God is so readily available. We have so many things. Regularly, it's preached on the streets. I know for our church, we go out and we try to share the gospel in various areas, various ways. We try to get the gospel out deliberately. Yet so many people are missing the moment that we're living in right now so many people and I'm, I'm talking eternally speaking are missing the moment that we're living in right now and i think that applies for christians and unbelievers alike missing the moment see there's so many people that are still in so so desperately needing jesus christ today and say yeah they got the radio they got the internet they got a church on every corner listen it doesn't it doesn't matter there's so many people that desperately need Jesus Christ today and there's so many ways for even us as believers to reach them and to share Jesus Christ with them but here's the question I want to ask every single Christian here this morning what are we doing to do it what are we doing to reach those that are desperately in need of Jesus Christ with so many opportunities with so many facets with so many ways for us to reach Those who need Jesus, what are we doing about it? Or are we missing this moment? Are we missing this moment where where you could text somebody the gospel, you can email somebody the gospel, you can call, you can give them a website, you you could do so many things, we can do so many things to reach people for the kingdom of God with the gospel of Jesus Christ, but what are we doing to do it? Are we missing the moment? Point number one in your notes is this, be careful not to miss the moment. Be careful not to miss the moment. Thousands of years ago, uh, there was a a Jewish woman, and her name was Esther. She would eventually become uh, the queen in 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 a foreign land. But her cousin, Mordecai, who was older, raised her. At the time that she was becoming queen and she had this opportunity, he said this to her. You were born for such a time as this. She had an opportunity to, to make a difference, to make an impact, to free the Jews, uh, to be instrumental in seeing the Jews freed up and, 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 and uh, God move in a supernatural way. She had the opportunity that no one else had. And I believe that's the case for us as Christians in 2017, living in America. You and I have an opportunity that not really many people have across this globe. We have an amazing opportunity, and I, I want to challenge you and charge you and encourage you this morning... To be careful not to miss this moment, not to get up from day to day and just go about your days living in this and toiling in this world, for this world, but to realize God has an eternal purpose in this temporal world that you and I are supposed to be a part of. And it's a moment, just a moment in all of eternity. And if we're not careful, we're going to miss this moment. We're going to miss it. See, 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ, as we've already said, was walking this earth, and he started his church, and he told his followers that he was going to come again. He was going to come back for them, and he was going to bring judgment on the earth at that point in time. He told his followers that we would see signs of his coming leading up to that time, and here we are. I believe we, you and I, are in the last of the last days. I believe that we're seeing the signs increase, as Jesus would say, just as birth pangs, just as they increase, as the time gets closer, that we see it more and more and more. And I believe that I could say with accuracy this morning that we are born for such a time as this. This is exactly the moment God had in his design. For you and I to be living here. And I, I don't feel like I deserve it to be living in the last days to where we may see persecution, or when we may say we may see God do great things and all these signs come to pass and, and actually be the ones, as Paul thought he was going to be 2,000 years ago, be actually the ones living, alive, and remaining when he calls his church home. I believe it's us. But we are given this moment in time. This moment in history, and it's a special gift. It's a great gift that God said, you know what? This is the time, and this is when you are going to be born. It's an opportunity. It's this moment that we were born for. So many people ask that question. I don't even know what the purpose is of my life. I don't even know what God wants me to do with my life. And, and they're believers, they're, they're, they're Christians. I, what does God want me? I'll tell you what he wants you to do. He wants, to let, he wants you to let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father. I can't teach, I can't preach, I, can't, I don't know what God wants me to do. Listen, you were born for a special time in all of history. I believe that, every single one of us here. And he wants us to give our all for his kingdom, not for this world This world is very clearly going to pass away. And if we don't see the passing away of this world in our lifetime, guess what we're going to see? The passing away of our life. We're not going to live here forever. And so we've got to make sure that we see God has a design, an eternal purpose for us living in this moment right now. And the question we all have to answer is this. What are we doing with it? What are you doing with this moment right now? In, in May of 2017, where well, the signs are increasing more and more every day, what are we doing with this moment? We can do the same as what Jesus told those there that day. We can tell when it's going to rain, and we have a, a better uh, way of doing that now, right? W- what would happen if, if it started thundering out there? Every, not every single most people in here would be very tempted to slide this thing out right here. Weather. Oh. Did I roll my windows up? <laughs> right? We, we have, we can, we can rely on technology. We can, we can they have models and, and radars and all these things that, that we rely on. And so we don't, he was talking to those people, hey, you see a cloud rising in the west, you know, hey, it's going to rain. You, you know when the south wind blows, it's going to be hot. And you know, we, we have the same idea, but we have even more. And we can do the same exact thing today. But for us living in 2017, no doubt, 2,000 years from when Jesus was talking to those followers at that, at that point in time, no doubt the signs have increased. No doubt the things that he said would come to pass are coming to pass right before our eyes in 2017. But are we missing this moment in disregard? Are we missing this moment in disillusionment? Are we missing this moment even in disobedience? I don't really want to do that. Right now, I just want to live my life. I want to, me and my family, just do our thing. Are you seeing the signs? Are you seeing the times in living your life from day to day, from moment to moment? capitalizing on for God's kingdom and God's glory pointing others to Christ see that's what his desire is for every single one of his children is that we use the time that we have to point others to him every day we have these divine moments these God-given opportunities every single day we're given these blessings that God has given to every single one of us sitting in this place right now blessings like breath and we forget about that it just happens unvoluntarily. We, we sit there and we breathe and our bodies continue to go. It's a gift from God. We have the ability to speak. When we're done with this message, you can come down to this altar, sit in your seat, and you can talk to God. You can, you can speak to Him. You can talk to each other. God's given us the ability, the blessing of speech. And we are to utilize these blessings for His eternal purpose. Frederick Butner said this it's in your notes he says listen to your life see it for the fathomless mystery that it is in the boredom and the pain of it no less than the excitement and gladness touch taste smell your way to the holy and hidden heart of it because in the last analysis all moments are key moments and life itself is grace it's a gift So we've got to see our life like that. Every moment, every divine opportunity that God extends to us is a gift from Almighty God. Almost 2,000 years ago, the Holy Spirit inspired the Apostle Paul to write these words to the Ephesian believers in chapter 5. He says, be therefore followers of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also had loved us and given himself for an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savor. Look what he says, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, no covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not, be not ye therefore partakers with them, for you were sometimes darkness, but now you light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For this, the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what, is that acceptable, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And having no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it's a shame to even speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepeth, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Look what he says in verse 15 and 16. So in light of all these, see see then, see, see then that you walk circumspectly, or carefully, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Like it says, there's a clear contrast be- between those who are gods and those who are not gods. Those who are gods are supposed to be living as children of light, loving God and loving people, refusing sin, not, not having fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. And there are those who are living in darkness that do nothing but sin. And they can be saved, but they're, they're, at this point in time they're not. And he says, to those, who you, those of you who are saved, be careful how you live your life. Live it wisely and redeem the time because the days are evil. Redeem the time because the days are evil. Making the best use of your time because it's getting worse. Only you can answer the question for yourself. Only I can answer the question for myself. But in light of the short nature of life, in light of the increasing evil that we see among us, Are you making best use of your time for the king and his kingdom? Only you can answer that. In light of the shortness of time and the shortness of life and the increasing of evil all around us, are you redeeming the time for the king? In the same vein, continuing on with this relational issue that we've seen, I believe it's extremely important uh, important, uh, that Christ continues on in this point not missing the moment because life is short. Look back in our text in verse 57. We continue. He says, Yea, and why even of yourselves ju- judge you not what is right? When thou goest with thine adversary to the magistrate as thou art in the way, give diligence that thou mayest be delivered from him, lest he hail thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and the officer cast thee into prison. I tell thee, thou shalt not depart then. You're not going to get out of jail. Till thou hast paid the very last mite or the very last penny. What was he talking about? I believe he's making, again, a very important point. In light of the shortness of life, in light of the uh, redeeming of the necessary to redeem the time, he's saying this point number two be careful to make amends. Be careful to make amends. See, the definition of making amends is this to do something to correct a mistake that one has made. Or a bad situation that one has caused. Be careful not to miss the moment. And be careful to make amends. A study I came across uh, recently, and I don't know how accurate it is. I know it's a few years old. Um, nevertheless, it's what the study said. It said this, that around 15 million civil cases were filed in the U.S. Uh, I- I- each year, basically. 15 million. And of in this study, it says many of them, the majority, I guess, would be considered frivolous. Uh, and they had to do with the tort law and stuff like that. And so, um, you know, I, I got to thinking, man, that, that's, a, that's a sad thing. But uh, Jesus was, was approaching this and addressing this about making things right with your neighbor, making things right with somebody else when you have the opportunity to make it right. See, with an organized justice system, with a a civilized justice system, I believe it's even more civilized today as it was uh, there back under Roman control. Um, I guess not much has changed. I guess not much has changed from what was going on then to what goes on today. Again, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Paul writes this letter to the the, the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and he approaches this, among believers, those who are Christians, he writes this to believers. Look what he says in chapter 6, verse 1. He says, dare any of you, having matter against another, go to law before the unjust and not before the saints? Look at the question, he says. Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world should be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know you not that we shall judge angels? How much more the things that pertain to this life? If you then have judgments of things pertaining to this life, set them to judge who are least esteemed in the church. I speak this to your shame. It is so that there is not a wise man among you. Or is it so that there's not a wise man among you? Paul's saying, listen, you, you have problems with each other. Don't even dare take each other to court about it. Even the smallest matters, you want to take each other to the court about it. Don't do that. Do you not have enough wisdom among yourselves as saints of god is there not a wise man or wise men among you that can rise up and help settle the issues that happen between believers do you have to take them to a legal system legal court he says brother goeth to law with brother and that before unbelievers now therefore it is utterly a fault among you now let's be clear on this we're not talking about criminal things we're not talking about things that should be justly handled by the legal system that's in place we're talking about other, we would say frivolous things. We're saying menial matters, things that people just want to sue or because they can't handle. Judge Judy type stuff, right? Yeah. Not all Judge Judy stuff, but something like that. But he says, listen, brother goeth against, you know, to law of brother, and, and you go going before unbelieving uh, judges. Now, therefore, there's utterly a fault among you because you go to law with one another. There's this great fault because you're taking each other to law. Why do you not rather take wrong? Whoa! Did you hear that? Look, you got these issues with you, and the first thing that you're thinking about is taking them to law and and, and, and getting something out of them. They're going to pay for what they did. They're going to pay for how they treated. They're going to pay for how they wronged me. And Paul asked the question, look, if you're both brothers or sisters in Christ... Why would you not just suffer the wrong? Why would you you just not take on the mind of Christ and take the wrong and just forgive them? Because they need to pay. (laughs) That's our mindset so many times. He says, why do you not rather suffer yourselves to be defrauded, to be wronged? If someone takes advantage of you or wrongs you, why wouldn't you just say, you know what? It's just temporal. It's not a big deal. It's not worth it. I'm just going to try to keep a right relationship and love them and move forward. But look what he says. Nay, you do wrong and defraud, and that your brother. You you, you wrong each other, and you continually, this is a perpetual cycle. But despite the reality that there are real legal cases that Christians bring against each other, we know this is true. Please listen. The majority of sentences are actually handed out in the hearts of those who are supposed to be unified in one spirit under one Lord. Sometimes I don't have to take it to court, the sentence is already given in the heart. The charge, the indictment, the sentence again are often carried out in the heart of a cross brother or sister of Christ who would refuse to make amends biblically who'd refuse to make it right but even more sad even beyond all of that it's heartbreaking because it just doesn't stay there it doesn't just remain in the heart oftentimes of the person Many times they gather a jury by means of gossip and slander. And they damage the body of Christ and it spreads. Romans chapter 14 verse 10, but why dost thou judge thy brother? Why are you doing this? Or why dost thou set it not? What he's saying there is, why do you despise your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Christ. For it's written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. Let us not, therefore, judge one another anymore, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. What what a novel thought. What if we all lived our lives in effort of trying not to offend each other? What if we, And it doesn't mean that we walk on eggshells. It just w- means we walk with love. It means that we walk with consideration. It means the things that we say, the things that we do, we uh, consider others before ourselves. That, in, in the, As Romans chapter 10 would say, or uh, chapter 12 verse 10 would say, in honor preferring one another. And very clearly in Ephesians chapter 4, I therefore the prison of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called. With all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, look what he says, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring, striving with everything you have, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There's one body and one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. How beautiful is that? He's saying, listen, look, th- th- we are all supposed to be walking like this, striving to keep the unity of the Spirit, but that doesn't happen, does it? What happens is somebody offends us, somebody doesn't do something right by us, somebody hurts our feelings, and again, we take them to, to, to judgment in our hearts, and we cast that sentence in our heart, and we, and we, 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 we hold a grudge against them, we, we despise them versus doing what Jesus said to do. We keep it harbored in our heart, and again, oftentimes, when the door opens up for a potential jury member, we let them in to the case with gossip and slander. We say, hey, did you know that, brother, did you know that the sister and so I just, I really can't stand them. They make me so mad. They do this all the time. But what goes against that is later on in the chapter there we just started in Ephesians chapter 4. Look what he says. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But that which is good to the use of edifying, building up, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Look what he says next. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God whereby you are sealed to the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, all wrath, all anger And all clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. All those things that end up becoming divisive devices, put it away from you. Get rid of all the things that tear each other down. Get rid of all the things that hurt the body of Christ and grieve the Spirit of God. Get rid of all those things with hatred. Because you realize that it's tearing the body of Christ apart. Get rid of them with hatred, with all malice. And look what he says in verse 32. And be kind one to another tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. So yeah, but they do this all the time. See, Christ had an answer for that when Peter asked. How many times do I need to forgive my brother if he offends me in a day? Christ's answer was basically this. As many times as it takes, Peter. Why, would, why did Jesus answer Peter that way? Why did, why did Jesus answer Peter with a, with, a, with a number that was probably not reachable for, for a person in a day? Because Christ knew how many times he was going to have to forgive each of us every single day of our life. That's right. Amen. The multitude of sins that he would cover with his blood and his love. And so he said, hey, to each other, there should be no limit to your forgiveness. To, there should be no, no limit to your extending of grace to each other because I'm not doing it to you. Forgive one another even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. See, I believe today, maybe even in this room, there are countless Christians carrying the burden, the weight of the sin of unforgiveness. The sin of of resentment, the sin of bitterness, of anger, of gall. And it may be with someone in this room, maybe it's with someone in your family, maybe it's somebody you work with, maybe it's someone in your past. There's something, maybe you're carrying around this burden, this weight of sin that's pulling you down. Oftentimes, Christians are also the ones who attack other Christians. And those attacks can be the most hurtful of all because it's family, because it's deeply spiritual in nature. It cuts the other to the core of their being. If you've ever been hurt or attacked by another Christian, you know what it means. You know what that feels like to be cut to the core of your being. And the reason why it does that is because not only does it affect you emotionally and spiritually. But it grieves the very spirit of God dwelling in both of you. It's deep. So for a Christian to hurt or to refuse to extend forgiveness or to refuse to make things right with someone, especially to another Christian, it's very clearly told in Scripture that it's a blockade in our own relationship with the Lord. Someone once said it's vain for us to pray while... while conscious that we have injured another. Let us first make amends to the injured one before we dare approach God at either the private or the public altar. Let's make amends. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said this in his Sermon on the Mount. He said very clearly in verse 14 and 15, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither Will your father forgive your trespasses? He wasn't necessarily talking about sin as, as far as justification, forgiveness as far as justification, being saved. He was talking about in your paternal relationship, your fellowship with Almighty God, your daily walking with God. If you don't have a right relationship with your brother or sister in Christ, there's no way you can have a right relationship with God. That's what he was saying. And so if you've got a problem with your brother or sister in Christ, you have to make that right first. Before you can ever think to go to God and ask Him for anything. So this morning, as musicians make their way, it's a grave reminder. A grave reminder that time is short on this old world. Time is really short. And we have to be careful. We have to make sure that we are careful not to miss this moment for which we are all born. Every single one of us born for this time, this age, this moment. We've got to be careful we're not missing it. Whether it's in selfishness, whether it's in disobedience, disillusionment, disregard, that we're not just spinning our wheels and toiling in this temporal world and missing the eternal purpose that we're living for. We've got to be careful that we're taking every advantage we have, every opportunity we have to live and capitalize eternally for the kingdom of God. And secondly, that we're careful to make amends. Say the longer that you wait to make amends with someone, the longer your relationship with God is hindered. It's it's not worth carrying it anymore. And so I want to encourage you this morning as, as we open up the invitation, maybe that's what you need to do. Maybe you need to even come down to this altar and say, God, give me the grace, give me the faith, give me the strength to go make it right with that brother or sister help me speak in the spirit help me help me make things right with your grace and mercy in my heart and mind or maybe you realize as I said a while ago I've been living my life for me I literally do get up every single morning I get ready for work and I just live my life I don't ever think about an eternal moment. I don't ever think about a moment that God may have designed for me in my life to capitalize for His glory. I just kind of live it. Never thinking about pointing others to Christ. And if I ever do think about pointing them to Christ, I quickly squash that because I feel like I don't know what to say, I don't know what to do. Let's not miss the moment, let's make sure we capitalize on it. And lastly, if you're here and you've never given your life to Christ. You don't have a relationship, a personal relationship with him. I'm not talking about you you come to church. No, I'm talking about you have given your life over to him. Know that time is short for you as well, for all of us. But just as time is short on this earth, know that eternity is long. It's, it's, It's eternal. And So if you leave this life or he returns before you give your life to him, it's gonna be eternally too late for you. And again, I don't say that to scare or to threaten. It's nothing like that at all. It's a simple warning. It's that bus that's coming and I have a responsibility because I care to say, you gotta get out of the way before the bus comes. Get out of the way. So I'm begging you this morning, if you've never given your life to Christ, we'll have two ministers down here and they can show you more scriptures. They can show you exactly what the Bible says that God has done for you to save you from your sin, to save you from the punishment of your sin, to give you eternal life so you never have to worry about what happens after this life. Let someone show you what the Bible says you have to do to get that eternal life. It's so simple. Nothing's going to be weird. Nobody's going to force you to do anything. Just let them show you what the Bible says and then you decide for yourself if it's something you want to do. But I beg you, if you've never done that, please come this morning. At least let them show you. But for us Christians, let's respond to God's word this morning. Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for the opportunity to open your word. Thank you for allowing us uh, to spend this time together in these reminders, these challenges, these, um, these encouragements. Help us be careful not to miss the moments. God, help us to be careful to make amends if we need to. Or if there's Christians across this room, that are part of your body, part of your family, and they're harboring something against another brother or sister. Lord, help us make it right before we leave this place. There's too much on the line eternity, in, in terms of eternity for us to leave this place, not making things right with each other, with family. Or if maybe there's someone that has something against somebody outside of this place, God, that they would make it right with them today. They wouldn't let another day pass without them making it right in their heart. Now just move now in this invitation. We'll praise you for all you do. In Jesus' name we ask it all.